0: Thank you, Tom. If you haven't yet, grab your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we are, started last week in a series uh, that we're going to consider treasuring Christ as we move through this letter. A call to the church to hold up and hold out that which is of most importance, being what God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the... Unending implications that it has for our lives individually, as families, as a church. Last week we just looked at the introduction words, introductory words that Paul wrote and saw even there in those words of welcome and greetings, we were getting glimpses of how incredible this glorious gospel we have really is for our lives. We're going to continue on this morning, looking at verses 3 through 8. Hear God's word, Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we certainly pray that these glorious truths would be pressed upon our heads and our hearts and our lives, that you would use this time even now to encourage us and to shape us and mold us and conform us more and more to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, who rescued us from our sin and leads us out of a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light and love. So God, would you do this work in us? We pray as we come to hear your word. We ask it in Christ's name, Amen. The greatest fruit salad ever is this: red seedless grapes, blueberries, and strawberries. Don't come at me with your counters or your opinions, because I just gave you irrefutable, objective fact data. No denying it, you cannot top the incredible burst of flavor and joy, mind you, that comes from the intoxicating mix of red seedless grapes, blueberries, and strawberries. It is the fruit salad of heaven. We love fruit. And when we taste good fruit, we are inclined to get others to taste it oh, you've got to try these peaches. You know you've said that. Oh, these strawberries are so fresh. You've got to have some of these. You've said it. You've you've definitely have said something to whatever fruit you tasted that was really good that you wanted others to come in and share. We don't do that with potato chips. I don't see anybody doing that. Hey, these ramen noodles are amazing. You don't see that with pickles. Or cinnamon rolls, because we don't want to share those. (laughs) When you taste the sweetness of fruit and it is good to you, you want others to taste it. The fruit of the gospel in our lives is like that, but like amplified to 11. When you taste and experience the goodness of the gospel in your life, you want others to know. You want others to taste and see. You want others to be a part of that. Or you see that happening in someone's life where their head, their heart has just come alive to what God has done for them in Christ and and you are encouraged You are strengthened. You are built up. You see that sweetness and you are satisfied. This morning, I want us to consider the joy of treasuring gospel fruit. Treasuring the fruit of the gospel in the life of actual people people in this room, people in your life that have come to know Christ. Their lives have been changed amazingly, radically. That we would treasure that God is doing something. And that this something that He is doing is supernatural, grace-filled work in actual people's lives. And so as we look at our passage this morning, I want us to see that the gospel bears fruit in our lives. And this fruit in our lives is the gracious work of God. And this gracious work of God is to be treasured. Treasured. So what does it look like to go about treasuring gospel fruit? What does it look like to to do that? Well, I want us to consider that treasuring gospel fruit makes much of some things that we see in our passage, makes much of the goodness of the fruit. It makes much of the goodness of the gospel fruit. Secondly, it, it makes much of the grace of gospel fruit. And then lastly, it makes much of the goal of gospel fruit. So let's look through our passage at those things together this morning. The first is, treasuring gospel fruit makes much of the goodness of the Of gospel fruit, the goodness of it. Look again at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. It starts off with thanksgiving, this joyful, expressive thanksgiving from the Apostle Paul that he is writing to this church. And at the very beginning, he's expressing this gratitude of the goodness of gospel fruit in the lives of the people in the church at Colossae. He sees in them, has heard of them, this incredible change in their lives, and he's rejoicing over it. The goodness of gospel fruit is inherent just even in the thanksgiving that Paul starts out here with. But I want to take a second and define gospel fruit, because he does that for us. What is then gospel fruit? Well, there's a lot that can be said. It's bushels and bundles or the implications are unending, but categorically big picture wise, there are two things that Paul draws our attention to in these verses that are gospel fruit. And the first is a vertical dimension, a vertical perspective, and that is faith in Christ. A definition of gospel fruit in your life is that you have Faith in Christ. So your vertical relationship is a fruit of the gospel coming at work in you. Because apart from the gospel, God graciously, powerfully working in you through the gospel, there would be no vertical. So here, just inherent in the goodness of gospel fruit is that you have faith in Jesus. You didn't muster that up. You didn't wake up one day and decide that. You didn't look at it as if it were like trying to decide between Sam's Club, Costco. Something radical happened in you, outside of you, to you. Fruit, gospel fruit, vertically, is faith in Jesus. I'll come back to stress that a little bit more here in a second. The second aspect of gospel fruit defined isn't just faith in Jesus, but it starts to show up laterally horizontally in love for the saints. So fruit of the gospel at work in you is that you have faith in Jesus vertically and then laterally you have love for the saints. We'll take a second to consider that as well. I just wanted to lay those definitions out that Paul gives us here. Gospel fruit in your life is faith in Jesus and love for the saints. Last week we said the saints is just this affectionate term Describing those set apart, those who are in Christ, those who belong to God's family, His body, His people. These are loved ones, holy ones, set apart ones by the by the saving work of Christ. And so faith in Christ vertically, love for saints laterally. First, let's consider in that definition of the goodness of gospel fruit, knowing what gospel fruit is, we see faith in Christ. Faith is a couple of things. Faith is having a fixed object in view. There is something very specific that your view is set on. Faith has a very definitive, definite object in its view. It has something that it's centered on. It's a main thing, keeping the main thing kind of thing. And for us, what we find here is that it is defined. It is faith in Christ Jesus. The definite object of faith isn't a uh, uh, like just like wishy washy? God is good. God is love. It is something very specific. Now, God is good and God is love. Specifically, displays the magnitude of His love and His goodness through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and lived a life that we had no hope of being able to live. Perfect obedience to the will and purpose of God. We woke up one day and, and, or we woke up, we were born with an F for the grade. And there was no way of getting that F up to a D minus. We were never going to ever be able to meet the mark of God's holiness and his standard and his glory. Jesus came, God in the flesh, took on our humanity, but in this like most incredible, mysterious way, took on our humanity in such a way that he didn't take on our sin nature. He took on our humanity and lived then a life perfectly. He did that for us because we could not do that. Then he took that perfect life with its perfect record, and he went to a cross with it. And to the cross, he died a death that we deserved. We deserved that death that Jesus died. We deserved what Jesus faced at the cross. But instead of us facing it, Jesus, in our place, took on all the penalty, all the the punishment for our sin. So not only did he come and he lived perfectly, but even his death, especially his death, he then takes on all the penalty of our sin. Then, he shows that all that has been paid in full, all that he did in his life and death, was fully and completely accepted by God, by rising again. Like, death did not win. Death is the bully of sin. So sin has a bully buddy, and that's death. Death and sin work hand in hand. So to show you that sin has been defeated, I'm going to show you that the bully has been defeated. And so Christ overcomes death, which is the penalty of sin. He overcomes Satan. He overcomes sin. And all of that is then paid in full, fully accepted. This has been covered. There is nothing left for you to pay on your own, because Christ has paid it all and displayed that in his resurrection. Faith in that. That person and word. Of Christ. That is gospel fruit in you. Having that. Person and work of Christ. As the fixed object. Fixed object of what? Of your trust. That's the second aspect of faith. Faith has a fixed object in view. And then secondly. Faith is a transferring of trust. Faith is a transferring of trust. You are yielding one way of living and trusting and believing to then take on a new way of living and trusting and believing. You're transferring a trust from, I've got to figure out my life for myself, or trust into just being generally good and, you know, it should come back to me at the end when I'm dead. Like, I'm generally good, so God should be generally kind. We go from a trust in something else into transferring it into the person work of Christ. It is a letting go in order to firmly grip. That is a fruit of the gospel in your life. It is to be most treasured. Because apart from his radical grace to burst into our dead hearts, we would never have done that. We would never have seen how incredible Jesus is, let alone have the desire to let go of this other way of living that we once filled our lives with, to embrace Christ and Him crucified. Radical grace. Faith in Christ is a goodness of the gospel fruit. Secondly, we see Paul emphasize then the love that they had for the saints. This lateral expression, the 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 fruit is tasted laterally, horizontally. Like there's this aspect of it, that, of it that goes out to one another, and of that we find it to be both sacrificial and affectionate. The love for the saints is sacrificial. It is the nature of of it is to be other oriented. It is giving up a self to care for or focus on an other. It is to Give rather than gain. The irony is that when that you gain more by giving than simply loving in order to gain. It's sacrificial in nature that Paul has in mind here. But it's also affectionate. It is genuine. It is authentic. It is passionate care for each other. It is brotherly and sisterly care for one another. The nature of love that Paul is referring to is not just the sacrificial in action, but affectionate in feeling. It is familial. It is an intentional care for each other. And the goodness of this fruit is imbued throughout it all. It is flavor-packed. It is a quality that impacts the whole person. I mean, if it's teased out into the nature of our lives and the culture of our church, the flavor of the goodness is in the whole of the fruit. And so it shows up in how we go about loving one another. The goodness of gospel fruit shows up in the doing of good so that others would come to know in greater measure the goodness of Christ. I'll say that again. The goodness of gospel fruit shows up in the doing of good to others so that they would come to know in increasing measure the goodness of Christ. It's incredible to have that start to take shape in your heart and your life, to start to see it in the lives of others. And as the, Paul, as the Apostle Paul and others in ministry with him saw what God was doing in this church, they were greatly encouraged. So not only do we take a second to have it, the gospel fruit defined so that we understand its goodness, here we see ex- like an inexperience that the gospel fruit's goodness is tasted. There is a sweetness of thanks. Look at those words that start verse 3. We always thank God. There is a sweetness of thanks that is an overflow of the gospel fruit being more and more recognized and experienced in the life of God's people. Though we always give thanks to God, sweetness is both a recognition of God's grace experienced in real time, in real people, and it's an adoration for God's grace experienced in real time, in real people. There is a a thankfulness that comes when when the gospel is bearing fruit in the lives of people to see what God is doing. So I want to ask you a question. Do you slow down enough in your life, your daily or weekly rhythm of your life right now, do you slow down enough to give thanks? You slow down to give thanks. You slow down long enough to be thankful for gospel fruit in the lives of others. Look around this room. I know there are many that are out. And so think of them as well. You slow down enough. And play that question out, play the implications of that question out a little bit further. Maybe, maybe when we look at ourselves, maybe if we're honest, the fruit of the gospel in our lives doesn't seem to taste so sweet because our perspective is, is inward rather than vertical and lateral. Maybe we haven't taken the time to recognize that God has done a great work in someone sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you. If you slow down enough to notice, be encouraged by, encourage in return. Paul's writing to them, but he's thanking God for what he's already seen in them. It is good for us to do this, it is good for us to take the perspective off of ourselves. Place it on the object of our faith in the work of His grace in the lives of His people. It does more good in us than we actually realize. Take time maybe in the week ahead to think about that. Think of people. Think of the way in which God has graciously been at work in their lives. Now let's consider also the gospel or uh, the treasuring the gospel fruit and, and making much of the grace of gospel fruit, the grace of gospel fruit. So let's continue on. Verse 4, because, so they have faith in Christ Jesus and the love that they have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, and it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. The grace of gospel fruit is this. It is something outside of you coming to you, and then it's something inside going out. The grace of gospel fruit is something outside of you coming to you, And as it transforms you, it is something going out from you to others. Something outside of you coming to you. Grace, get this, is textured and tangible. Textured and tangible. What do I mean by that? It's something that you can feel It's not just an idea or a theory or a proposition on a paper, but it is something that you can feel. We moved into an old house. that had texture wallpaper that I could feel. Why is this here is what I kept wondering. Grace act work in people's lives is something that you can feel. It's not just an idea. Look. Take a moment to just consider what Paul is saying here. Note the real time, real place, real people dynamic of grace of the gospel fruit. Of this you have heard. People gathered, collected, together, hearing it proclaimed. Among you, he says... The location was a real place full of real people in real need of a real rescue. And they learned it from a papyrus, a beloved servant and faithful minister who spent relational time pouring into the church. Grace isn't a theory or a vacuum. It comes into our lives really and tangibly and truly. And God has used it through the church. And this is consistent with what we know about the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnation. That was God coming near, taking on flesh, entering into fallen humanity to rescue us. It wasn't hologram Jesus. It was the second person of the Trinity putting on skin and bones. Grace still has skin in the game. God works through His people to His people. And grace brings truth. to Bear down on our lives that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we have one. And His name is Jesus. Let me tell you and show you with my life. And there's good news that comes with this grace. Is that there's no station in life that is too far for the coming near, real, tangible work of grace. There is no one to nobody for grace. This is remarkable news. Be encouraged, friends the nature of grace comes so close it's tangibly felt now it comes and it does a work and it's something now inside that goes out to others notice what paul is saying throughout this thanksgiving that he is giving he has heard so they heard, they saw grace come near to them, and now what happened in them is going out. It's going outward to others. And now Paul is hearing, grace is coming back, if you will, to Paul. He's heard of their faith and their love. Note how tangibly the grace of gospel fruit brought encouragement and thankfulness to others. He said, since we heard of your faith and your love. And how Epaphras was like this human in, like right in front of Paul telling him, sharing with him how this love in the Spirit is true and evident in the life of these people. Real time, real place, real people encouragement and thanks. Again, gospel fruit is evidenced in the nature of our lives and in the culture of our church. And this is good and it is of grace. I want to sort of borrowing a little bit from... Point of application. And the first point, I want to encourage you in this way. As you are thinking about the, the lives around you and, and how you've, you've actually been encouraged by the fruit of the gospel, and some of the people in this room are in your life, what if you took time to actually think? them or thank god to them say i'm so grateful for god's work in your life because it's brought me this sort of encouragement what if you actually took the time to go out of your way to do that maybe it's a note maybe it's a phone call maybe it's a coffee that you actually went out of your way not just this week but in a cultural way to be an encourager back to those who have been an encouragement to you because I want to say, that's us going about treasuring gospel fruit. We don't just go about our busy lives, we clock in the church and we clock out, and then we go back to our busy lives, doing this, that, and everything else, that we actually stop, slow down, give thanks for what God is doing in real life human beings that you know, and then go out of our way to encourage them. What do you think would happen? What kind of what kind of joy would be sort of built up and shared together collectively if we are rejoicing over the fruit of the gospel in our lives? I know the criticisms that people in the church and outside of the church who used to be a part of a church is that they see all the negative they see all and experience maybe the hard side of being a human being. I, I think we could give a lot more time and effort and energy to just rejoicing in the fact that you're here. Your Bible is open. You're singing. I know some of you probably feel uncomfortable, but if you went up and said, I heard you singing, and they'll probably won't ever sing again. But I was sitting right there this morning, and you all were singing, Jesus paid it all. I heard your voices in my ear. Margot's lovely voice, yes. The team, yes. But I heard something behind me. That's encouraging. Do We go out of our way to rejoice in the fruit of the gospel in our lives. Oh, what would that look like if that was constant, real, authentic, genuine? Maybe take time this week, the weeks ahead, days ahead, to think of people that you could just be an encouragement to. You have no idea how timely that might be for them. Third thing is that what we find here in our passage is that not only... Are we to treasure and make much of the goodness of gospel fruit in our lives? But to recognize and and thank God for the grace of gospel fruit in our lives. But we also are to rejoice over the goal of gospel fruit. The goal of gospel fruit. As we taste the fruit now, it's a a little sort of foretaste of the joy that we will get to know in glory. Glory. When we are recognizing and seeing God's work among us and in the lives of each other and in the lives of others as they come to know him, when we are in, like rejoicing in that and encouraged by that, do you want to know something? You're tasting in that moment a little bit of eternity. You are getting a taste now of something that's not quite yet. It's like when you get home in the fall and in the winter, and, 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 and the oven has been like, or the crock pot has been doing its magical thing all Sunday morning. And you walk in and that aroma hits you. And you're ready because you're hungry. The preacher went too long. And so you're hungry. And it's, that goodness hits you. Yeah, that, that feeling is like when we experience and taste the gospel fruit together, we're getting just this hint, this, this little thing of something we will know forever without the hint of sin in the glory of our Savior. The hope of gospel fruit is that you get a little bit of the now and the not yet meeting together. The now and the not yet. What you know now, you know truly, but you don't know fully. The not yet, you get to know it in fullness for all eternity. And when we are greatly encouraged by seeing God at work in our midst, we are tasting a little bit of what we get to know forever. This is so encouraging. And so he says, all this is happening because of the hope you have laid up for you in heaven. The hope laid up For you and heaven. It is a figure of speech that Paul is using not so much um, to talk about the act of hoping, but really to fix you and your thoughts and your experience on the object of hope. And the object of your hope is heaven. And heaven is where God and man dwell together forever because of the redeeming, rescuing, transforming work of Christ. And that is your hope. In fact, the act of hoping is. For the Christian is sure. It's not wishful. It's sure and fixed because of the object of the hope Christ, our King, in all eternity. I grew up outside of Cleveland. My hope when it comes to professional sports is always on the wish side. Nothing about it is sure or fixed. It's actually quite irrational to ever have hope. I did not grow up in New England, where your hope is pretty entitled, (laughs) pretty demanding, of all the sports, all the time. Yours is a little bit more fixed. For the believer, we don't just hope for God to be there at the end. No, no. Every taste of the fruit of the gospel you experience in this hard and harsh life is saying there is an incredible feast coming, and it will be glorious, and it will be so overwhelming that it will take all of eternity to enjoy. That is what we have. I'm going to borrow from Colossians 3. We'll get there in a few months. (laughs) If you have been raised with Christ, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, where you have died in your life. This is so incredible, so secure. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That is the hope of gospel fruit. That's where the gospel fruit you experience in this life is taking you. And I know that life will be filled with hard and harsh moments. You have a fruit that you get to taste that's leading you to this glorious hope, this glorious finality, this glorious eternity where you will be with Christ. The goal of gospel fruit now is to bring tastes of the not yet glory into the now of your life. And it actually means that in the midst of a hard world that's filled with aches, we have a sure hope of glory that will come in full because of the fruit of the gospel in our lives now. So be encouraged Be encouraged. Be an encouragement. Take time to slow down and look around at the lives of the people around you. Instead of criticism or judgment or ambiguity or just indifference, maybe stop and consider what God has been doing in their life and rejoice that this is fruit of the gospel. Encourage them. Be encouraged by others. Take time to think deeply on the fruit of the gospel. And in the next two weeks, we see the rest of what Paul starts out with is a prayer for more of the fruit of the gospel. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to look at how do we go about pleading for more gospel fruit in our lives? First, let's recognize it. Let's rejoice in it. Let's be encouraged. Let's treasure it. And then let's seek the Lord for more of his grace and more of our lives. May we be a real-time people treasure a real time real place gospel fruit amen amen god we thank you for your grace and the fruit of the gospel and we pray that we would be greatly encouraged by it in our lives and the lives of others that we would be a place that celebrates rejoices over the fruit of the gospel taking shape in our lives may we see our lives conform more and more to our king our savior jesus god may we be an encouraged people as a result and we ask in christ's name amen